If you have your Bibles, uh, please be turning to John chapter 15. I want to begin by just expressing my deep appreciation uh, to this church family uh, for the way that you have supported uh, the Mastriani family and the passing of Luke this past Monday after his battle with pancreatic cancer. Uh, Kennery and Cole and Quinn have been so loved by so many of you. Uh, Friday night we had uh, over a thousand people uh, come for the visitation. Uh, yesterday we had uh, an amazing celebration of life service uh, in this room. Uh, and as many of you uh, know, you have been walking alongside this family. And if you uh, are new to our church, um, we, we just want to be real about what family is, you know. Um, many of you have been so gracious to check on Laney and I as we walk through this as friends and words cannot express how grateful we feel to be a part of this faith family. It's been a tough week. Um, I, I appreciate our shepherds reaching out to me and uh, offering me the opportunity to, to not preach today uh, out of their love and their concern for me. Um, I can't tell you just how grateful I am for the shepherd hearts that shepherd this flock here at Homewood. Um, but as I was praying, I believe the Lord put a message on my heart, and I shared with the shepherds that it's a message that I felt called to be the one to deliver. Uh, so I pray for the Holy Spirit to come in a special way today. Uh, today's message is on friendship. Uh, last week we began a series, as uh, you heard a moment ago, uh, called The Red Letters. You see uh, that graphic on the screen. And it's a, a series where we're, we're focusing on uh, the words of Jesus. So in, in most Bibles, most Bible translations today, uh, there are red letters where Jesus's words are. And it's just a way for us to, our eyes to be uh, adjusted and drawn to, okay, th this is Jesus speaking in the text. And of course, we believe all scripture is God breathed. And yet there's this, there's this uh, eye-opening reality that happens when, when Jesus speaks. And so uh, we turn once again to the red letters in John chapter 15, starting in verse 9. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last 
so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. The word of the Lord. Uh, This uh, section in John chapter 15 is a part of a larger discourse. Uh, It's referred to some as the final discourse or the farewell discourse. Uh, Most scholars place that between chapters 13 and chapter 17. And it's where Jesus is sharing this with his disciples on his way to the cross. And so that's, that's why it's referred to as maybe the final or the farewell discourse. Uh, right now we are in a season of what some refer to as, as the, the Lent season. It's the, the time between Ash Wednesday, which was on February 14th until Easter. It's actually 46 days. You have 40 weekdays and then you have six Lord's days. And so it's, it's 46 day time period, often referred to as the fast or the 40. Calling us to put to death the sin and the indifference that we have in our hearts toward God and our fellow brothers and sisters. And it beckons us to enter once again into the joy of the Lord, the joy of a new life born out of a death to the old life. Uh, Jesus is going away, and he he says this several times. In three chapters, he's going to say he's going away ten times. I'm going away. I'm going away. I'm going away. And what Jesus said in chapter 14 of the Gospel of John is he says that I, I will not leave you as orphans. He's going to send the Comforter, the the Holy Spirit. And in this passage, Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business is. Instead, I have called you friends. Three times. In three verses, Jesus uses this word, friends. Uh, In the Greek, it's the word philos. It's uh, where we get words like Philadelphia, philosdelphia, the city of brotherly love. And literally, it means someone who is, is dearly loved, someone who is prized in a personal, intimate way, a trusted confidant, held dear in a close bond of personal affection. This text is not about war. This text is about love. The command to love is, is given by one who has himself done everything that love can do. I want you to catch that. That's why I put it on the screen. And at the, the heart of what's going on, Jesus acted out and will act out the greatest thing that love can do to lay down one's life for one's friends. Uh, Each year around this time, I I try, although we do it every week, I try in an emphasized type of way between now and Easter to just prepare our our hearts and our our minds for this journey to the cross. You, You can't get to Easter unless you go through the cross. And so uh, for these next few weeks, we're, we're going to look at some of Jesus's words as he prepares the way, as he teaches us 
about this journey and even calls us into the journey. And at the heart of it all is the humility that comes from knowing who's in charge. Verse 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Truth number one is this, that uh, establishing or strengthening a biblical friendship begins with recognizing the following truth, that Jesus is your foundation, not humanity. Probably the most well-known friendship in all the Bible is found in the Old Testament, in the book of 1 Samuel. It's a story I hadn't looked at in a while, but it's the friendship of Jonathan and David. Jonathan was the oldest son of King Saul. David was the youngest son of Jesse from the tribe of Judah. So you get the birth order difference between the two, right? How many of us know that sometimes birth order makes a difference? I'm married to a firstborn. I'm a middle child, or as I like to say, the center child, right? <laughs> Notice the difference between the birth order of Jonathan and David. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, starting in verse 1, the Bible says this, after David had finished talking with King Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Jonathan loved his friend David as he loved himself. Where have you heard that before? It's the greatest command that we just sang a moment ago, where Jesus says, this is it, people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but love your neighbor as yourself. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 20, King Saul wants to, to kill David out of jealousy. And so Jonathan tells David, in verse 19, the day after tomorrow toward evening, go to the place where you hid when this trouble began and wait by the stone Ezel. He tells David, I'm going to shoot three arrows at you, but you'll be protected by the rock. And if the, the arrows, if they, if they are beside you, if they go beside you, then, then you are safe. But if the arrows go beyond you, that means that you must go because the Lord has sent you away. They depart from one another, but not before swearing a friendship in the covenant that they had established. And get this, the word says the friendship was in, rooted in the name of the Lord. Do you see the foundation? Jonathan died in the battle of Mount Geboa along with his father and brothers in 1 Samuel 31. Jonathan was the father of Mephibosheth. 
do me a favor, don't name your child Mephibosheth. <laughs> but this was the son of Jonathan. And so in 2 Samuel 9, verse 6, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth. At your service, he replied. Verse 7, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I understand that passage now. I get it. One of the most meaningful text messages I received this week uh, was from one of our shepherds, Stan Tumlin. He simply texted me and said, Jonathan loved David as much as he loved himself. When David was about to be killed by Jonathan's dad, he told David to wait by the rock of Zell. I sense you and Luke had that kind of relationship. I hope you find your rock of Azel. Truth number two is that establishing or strengthening a biblical friendship is an ongoing return to selfless love. Uh, we live in a culture where the root of relational equity is often selfishness rather than selflessness. So what can this person do for me? Can this person help me get the promotion or can this person help me make the sale or, or can this person benefit me in some way? So we build relational equity with people, but it's based on the root of it is selfishness. We don't talk about that, but that's the root. Uh, the, week, the week that Luke uh, went to be with Jesus, he, he called me in the room, just me and him. And uh, he just, he said, uh, he called me, I mentioned yesterday at the service, he called me B. He said, he said, B, um, look me square in the eye. And he said, I know you're not perfect. And truer words could have never been spoken by a human being on this earth. He called it like he saw it. He said, no, you're not perfect, but you've been a selfless friend. So I want you to have this. And he, he gave me this. This was the last thing that he put in my hands. It's an authentic widow's mite that he had bought years ago. It's probably not the actual mite that the widow used in the Bible when she put the two mites in the collection plate, but it's from that time period. And he put that in my hands and from the story in Luke 21, the widow who gave all she had. I'm sorry, but I have to confess to you today that I will not be putting this in the collection plate. It was a gift from my friend. And the reality is that I wasn't as selfless as he was. So you see a picture on the screen of 
one of Luke's ministries here. The golf cart ministry for many years. You also see in riding in the golf cart, Miss Ginger Busby. I saw Ginger a few weeks ago at the grocery store and she joins online. So if you're watching Miss Ginger, so glad to know you. Luke would drive the, the golf cart around the parking lot, just helping people to, to get in and feel welcome, go across to assisted living and help people get over here. And, uh, and that was his ministry because he wanted people to feel welcome. And I, I think it's so fitting that today, didn't, didn't plan all this, but today, right after Bible classes, there's going to be a meeting right here in room 113 for those interested in being a part of the welcoming ministry here. And I would encourage, it's gonna be a short meeting. I, I would encourage you, I, I love knowing that this legacy that my friend was so dedicated to is going to continue on, but it won't continue on if you rush out of here and go to lunch. It will continue on if you put into practice serving others. Uh, this will be a reminder for me, what I have in my pocket to return to selfless love often. If you have a good friend, thank God for them. Um, the other sweet moment that we had a week before he we passed was that we both confessed to one another some things that we were sorry for. And I won't tell you what those things are, it's not important. But I will tell you that it is important not to wait till somebody's on their deathbed to tell them how you feel about them. It is important to, to have those conversations. It is important to, to let people know and, and to, to be reconciled. And Lord put on my heart today to, to call us to the two most disobeyed commands of Jesus, I believe, by those who claim to follow him. Matthew 5, 21. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Uh, when it comes to anger, I've, I've learned that there's typically two responses. You may think of more, but there's two. The, the first response is, is the skunk response. Someone who stinks up the place. They blow up and they literally skunk the room. The second response is the turtle version. Instead of blowing up, they clam up. They avoid and create false peace. And Jesus has a word for, for both the skunks and the turtles. Go be reconciled. Doesn't mean that you're going to be best friends but be reconciled. James 4 and 1, what, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? 
What causes fights and quarrels? We, we all know the answer to that question. What causes fights and quarrels? It's them. We all know the answer to that question. It's them. But James, the brother of Jesus, says it's you. It's what's battling within you. There's been one common denominator in all of the quarrels that I've had in my life. And the common denominator has been me. I've been there for every one of them. I've lived every one of them. So fast forward to Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. I have disobeyed this command more than I care to confess. But if they will not listen, verse 16, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I truly tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. We use that verse a lot, but that's the context. That's the context of two or three being gathered in the name of the Lord. Just two chapters earlier, Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Truth number three is establishing or strengthening a biblical friendship is an ongoing return to Jesus and the Jesus way. It's what theologians call the, the crucified life. Often in order to solve your real problem, the solution isn't solving the problem itself, but the solution is to allow God to do a work inside of you. What if we ask God to change us instead of wanting everyone else around us to change. Are you asking me just to be a punching bag? Are you asking me just to roll over to be some beat up Christian who lets the world abuse me all the time and, and call that godly? No. I don't believe that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying in order to find true peace in a world that's gonna make you mad, and you have to deny you. And then take up your cross. Something inside of you actually needs to die. And it's then and only then that you can follow me. Obedience doesn't earn love. Obedience to Jesus is the evidence of love. And the church said, amen. And the test of that love and loyalty remains a simple, profound, dangerous, and difficult command to love one another. Let's pray this morning. 
Father, I pray that you'll water what's been sown this morning. Father, I don't know what is going on in each other's lives all the time, but we know that you know, that you see us, you see us, God. You know the battle within. Father, I'm so thankful for friendship. I'm so thankful for the blessing that you have given us in friendship. And may we be reminded this morning that true biblical friendship is rooted in Jesus. God, I pray that we will, that you will continue to open up ways uh, and opportunities for us to be reconciled with those around us. Father, we leave no stumbling block and that we recognize that a lot of these relationships that we're in are complex. What, I'm, what Jesus is talking about is not easy. It's not, but it's not rocket science either. I pray that we'll be a people that live the Jesus way. I pray that we'll be a people that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that we will we'll fear no evil. For we know that you are with us. So may we proclaim that today. May we live that this week. May we share that with each and every person that we come in contact with. May we make much of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.